This has been a time for stress. The pandemic, the economy, now a war. I think I've learned that you need to manage your stress, not just suffer from it, and certainly not ignore it. People do different things. There's physical activity, for example. Brian runs. My sister takes long beach walks. Or they're spending your time in different ways. There's also talking to somebody, which we don't always do. The great outdoors has also been a savior for me. Getting away from screens and that open air. If it's not too cold or windy, there's Claremont with its river view. The water really does something for me. It could be Greg Farm with its trails that take you out to be surrounded by farm and sky. You go for a walk with a friend and you bring your dogs and you just talk and let it all out. Or as you heard last episode, you schlep down to Florida for warmth and water. That was a privilege. Either way, there are many studies to show what we all probably know. Exposure to natural environments can be associated with mental health benefits. Just being around green space has been associated with lower levels of stress and even reducing symptoms for depression and anxiety. If you've got kids, you'll want to know that interacting with nature can help children with attention deficits. And in one paper, they found restorative properties of natural environments. The American Heart Association also chimes in on this. Spending time in nature, the AMA says, can help relieve stress and anxiety, improve your mood, and boost feelings of happiness and well-being. Whatever you call it, forest bathing, ecotherapy, mindfulness in nature, green time, or the wilderness cure, humans evolved in the great outdoors, and your brain benefits from a journey back to nature. Looking over at Nora asleep on my couch here in the studio reminds me of a study in Leeds, England that showed staring at cute animals can reduce stress levels up to 50%. My blood pressure is going down right now looking at her. I can't imagine a better ad for getting people to move out to the country. We have cute animals everywhere. There's Bert and Ernie, the donkeys down the road, the goats across the street, more baby goats at Greg Farm that you can go and feed for 25 cents. There are chickens at Salt Hill Farm, and then there's the cows at Northwind Farm, even more cows at Dells along Route 9, and the animal sanctuary in Saugerties. I think you get the idea. These are stressful times. I am so lucky to be here, and I am lucky to have you and everyone else to talk to. a new way of living and I'm trying to get used to it. One park blues have an ounce of an idiot. Ordered a Manhattan and they call me a city, yeah. At first I heard my feelings but it's kind of got a ring to it. When you move to the country they can tell when you're new to it. I'm looking at a place but I'm trying to keep fitting in. It takes too long to be a local so for now I'm a city, yeah. Matt Zucker, and this is City It, learning to live and love life in the Hudson Valley. Episode 62, A Little Therapy. If you love audio as much as I do, then you also probably love radio. So then, you'll probably love a new community station that started this year, Radio Free Rhinecliffe. 
Rhinecliff, if you don't know it, is a hamlet along the water right across the Hudson River from Kingston. It's actually one of the oldest hamlets along the Hudson. Rhinecliff is technically part of the town of Rhinebeck, the next town to Red Hook, where I live. The two towns were one town until 1812, and Red Hook split off. Rhinebeck's a bit more posh. Red Hook is a bit more farming. Rhinecliff is a little artsy. It's also where the closest Amtrak train stop is for me, which I used to frequent every week, and probably will start again soon. And in a tiny studio there, at the back of the Epicurean grocery store, is where Radio Free Rhinecliffe is. Airing every Friday, with several shows, like Matt's Boiler Room Sessions and Cliff Notes the Jazz Show, is Talk to Allison, hosted by my friend Allison. I was actually her first guest when she started Talk to Allison last year, although my favorite thing is her monthly show called Shrinks and Drinks, including number 21, with her guest John Nathan. It's about, well, processing stress. Allison and her husband Naveen are among the first people Brian and I met when we moved up here. Allison is a psychotherapist, healer, media contributor, and coach. I think you'll like her. She's smart, savvy, cool, warm, fashionable, a loving parent with a big sense of humor. Their kids are delicious, and her voice, as you'll hear, is like butter. Hi, Allison. Hey, Matt. How are you? Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on City. You know, it's so funny because we've known each other for several years and we've talked about the show so frequently. So to have you on is a privilege. Thank you. I'm really honored. I'm very excited. I actually, I didn't want to be that person to ask you to be on it because I love the podcast so much. But when it happened, I was just so thrilled and excited. I think there's a lot we could talk about on the show too today. You are a business owner. You are a parent. You are a media personality. You, are, you you have a lot going on. So it's really like when people think about moving up here, it's often about starting new lives and having new chapters yes. and you've got your kids up here and your family. I'd love to hear your origin story about how did you and Naveen come up? When I was pregnant with our first child, we started talking about the idea of having a weekend spot. You know, we, we were living on the Upper West Side with intentions to move to Brooklyn but we really wanted something that was out of the city. So after I gave birth to Indy and she was a few months old, we started vacationing. And for whatever reason, Naveen really had his heart set on the Hudson Valley already. And I was sleep deprived and completely focused on keeping this child alive. And so I sort of, you know, just like went with the flow. And we started coming up, we went to Kingston, we went to Bethel, we went to Woodstock and we visited Rhinebeck. And we just decided that that was the place that we wanted to be weekenders. And that's what started the, the process and us slowly moving up here full time. So the kids have really grown up here. The kids have grown up here. We had our second child in Brooklyn when we were still living there. But we came up here the summer before our older daughter started kindergarten. And so she has a few memories of the city and being there, but they were really too young to retain much. And so their childhoods have been Rhinebeck. And they're only 10 and seven. So, you know, they're still developing childhoods, but from what they know, this is this has been it for them. And for you and your family, I mean, you know, my experience moving up here was, was feeling like a city and really trying to acclimate in a really clunky way. What was yours like? Well, I'd, honestly, I didn't want to move up here full time to be completely transparent. I was very reluctant. I was very resistant. Uh, But 
Naveen really felt that it was a good idea for us having had the second child and he really wanted us to have more space. So it was a really tough transition for me. I was very attached to the city. I had my practice there. My family was from there. Like I have very deep roots in the city. I, maybe I've told you this before, but I am one of the direct descendants of the Remsen family from Remsen Street in Brooklyn. And I also have Vanderbilt blood, which by the way, I can't even get a free ride on the Metro North. Ooh, <laughs> too <joking>. bad. <laughs> no. That would come in handy. I didn't get a dime from either of these incredible roots, but I have these beautiful roots that had me very connected to the city. And so it was really tough for me. When I came up here, I really did feel like a city it. I didn't know what that was yet. It didn't take long for someone to make the joke or the comment about it because I also refuse to give up my city aesthetic. I mean, I still dress like I'm in the city for whatever that means, but this is what people say to me. Oh, you dress like you're, you're in the city all the time um, because it's just a passion and a, and a hobby. So I felt like a fish out of water when we came up here. And, you know, the idea of commuting two hours each way to get down to my practice was exhausting. It ended up being a really nice break and something that I loved doing when I had the opportunity to do it. But I definitely thought, oh my God, why the hell did we move up here? I felt like I was taken out of my natural habitat and forced into a new one without being able to acclimate very easily. So, okay, so now that you've scared away anyone wanting to do it, how do you sell the, <laughs> how do you sell them on it? Like, what's the pitch? Well, I did end up falling in love with it. That's the thing. I think when you live in the city for a while, you have this belief that the things that you want, the career that you have created, the creative outlets that you have cannot exist elsewhere. And I did very much get attached to that belief, which I know is now a fictional one. So when I did start to give it a chance and I saw how happy my children were and I started meeting great people and I, you know, I continued to thrive professionally. And quite frankly, I actually ended up doing even better after being up here for a couple of years. I just realized that it was more of me being afraid to give up something that I was comfortable with and attached to and try this new life versus I was moving into, you know, this, this area of doom and gloom surrounded by trees and all of these creatures howling at night that, that I wasn't used to. When we first started weekending, <laughs> I thought that I maybe should consider sleeping with a bat or a knife under the bed because I was so used to like city aggression or the things that you should be afraid of in the city. But I thought, what if there's like somebody out there in the woods waiting for us to go to sleep and they're, they're gonna break into the house at night. It was just such a new world to me that I had these bizarre concerns. That right, I, I found the quiet scarier than the noise. Yes. I had become so used to the noise and it was so reliable and I knew what every sound was, even someone screaming or sirens. That, that reassuring was... car alarm. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So when I came up here and it was silent, I was terrified. <laughs> so let's talk professionally. You have your own business. Your husband has a business. He opened up in Rhinebeck. So you guys have really made a great go of it. We have, we really have, and we've been welcomed by the community and fortunately needed by the community as well, you know, even before the pandemic, but I'm a therapist and he owns a gym, a very small boutique fitness studio. And so we both do a lot of 
wellness, and I guess I'd say we're both in the helping professions. But I also do a lot of alternative healing. I do Reiki, I do energy work and chakra healing. I do meridian tapping, all these things that are starting to actually come to the forefront of mental health since the pandemic, but had been considered voodoo or, or just really not discussed before. Are, you know, These are things that I've been doing for 20 years. It, it just turned out that in the time that we came up, the area needed someone. They needed a new therapist. People were working too many hours. There was a shortage. And, and my practice took right off when, when we got here. And tell us about Radio Free Rhinecliff. I, I, I got to be your first guest, I think, yes. on the debut show, which is just you crazy. <laughs> you did. And it went really well. And it was great. I love it. It's one of these things that I didn't expect. And just one day out of the blue, the woman that runs the Epicurean where the studio is, her name is Patricia Wind. She just approached me and said, we've got a radio station. Would you do a show for us? I think you'd be perfect. And then I went and I met with the producer and it was just one of these things that fell in my lap and it's going incredibly well. It's such a wonderful creative outlet. I love it. I love the people coming on. I love the people running it. And we're transferring to Apple and Spotify. Oh, great. And right now it's, it's Fridays. Or Tell us what's the name of the show and what's yeah, the theme. It's called Talk to Allison. And now it's available at RadioFreeRyanCliff.org. It's usually recorded live. We record live as much as possible because I just make the mistakes part of the show and then I have more fun with it. But it's at 7 p.m. on Fridays. Talk to Allison, RadioFreeRyanCliff.org. And I'm hoping in the next two, three weeks, it'll be up on Spotify and Apple. You know, one thing, I don't know if you found this too, about having a show like this is you get to meet everybody. You can meet everybody. anybody you want. You can meet people you already know, like like you, and get to know them better. But yeah. I found this a really great connective thing in the community. It lets me be the busybody I've always wanted to be. <laughs> well, it was a little surprising to me because uh, I started noticing people waving at me and people calling my name out. I was, <gasps> You're famous. <laughs> I was so bizarre. And if he makes fun of me, he's like, you're a local celebrity, Allison. But people were really enthusiastic. And I definitely, I've gotten to know more people that I didn't expect, but also the tenderness that has come with it has been really incredible and unexpected. I just have been embraced even more by the community and the Rhinecliff community in particular, because Rhinecliff and Rhinebeck are yeah, let's talk about Rhinecliff. It's a really, you know, I didn't realize how artistic it was when we came up exactly. here. I didn't realize how, you know, cute. Everybody wants to live near the train station. So we yep. kind of look there, but it's a really distinct community, almost like Tivoli is for Red Hook. It is. It's very distinct and the people are incredible. And I had remembered the first time I was invited to a party in Rhinecliff and something was going on with the kids and Naveen couldn't go. And I said, Naveen, you have to let me go. I've, I've been invited to a Rhinecliff party. It, you know, it was as if I had been invited and welcomed and accepted by this other incredible community that's right next door. But like you said, full of these creative, brilliant, wonderful people. And Rhinebeck has all of that too. It's just, you know, it's like a different vibe. And it's like, you know, like you're a part of one community and then the other part of the other community wants to make you a part of them. And it's just very loving feeling. Let's talk about parenting for a second, because, you know, Brian and I do not have kids, but we have a lot of opinions about how to raise kids. <laughs> we always were going to have a blog about, you know, advice from people without children. That would um, be hysterical. I know, it'd be hysterical. So uh, my, my question for you is, what's parenting like in the difference between the city and up here? And this might be like very obvious, but, yeah. but to, me, to me, it's not. 
the first thing that I noticed, which I wasn't aware of in the city is that the anxiety here for me is much lower because in the city, even when you want your kid to you know, go on their scooter, every corner you have to watch for a car or a bike messenger or somebody else on a scooter you know, in, at the parks, unfortunately, some of them were not very clean or there would be somebody coming out of the bar. You know, I, I would take the kids in the morning and somebody would be passed out in front of the bar on the way to the park. And I just, I had this sort of heightened awareness that of course I still have an awareness of my children as a mother, no matter where I am, but up here I can relax a little bit more. And there's also this neighborhood watchdog feeling up here, which is wonderful. I know that if my kids, they're only seven and 10, they're not doing anything yet. But when my kids start gallivanting around town and they're jumping in and out of the shops, I'm going to know where they are because someone's going to tell me. And so that feels really fantastic to know that there's somebody always keeping an eye on the kids. And of course, we had some outdoor space in Brooklyn, but we have a whole front yard and a whole backyard and the kids can walk across the street to play with their friends. And just to have them out in nature is something that I really lost sight of, again, because I was holding on to that idea. I want to raise city kids. I want them to have street smarts. I want them to know the subway and go to Juilliard one day. And But I'm watching them blossom and really open up in the environment that they're in now. So what's parenting been like during the pandemic? It's been really hard because a lot of activities have shut down and we've really had to keep the kids occupied and you're trying to create this illusion that everything's okay and everything's going to be okay. But kids are really smart and children are very intuitive and we're all sitting here in these masks for years. And I think that they, you know, they hear the words of us saying like, things are gonna get better, everything's gonna be fine. But I can see in their faces at times that they're not quite sure if they believe us and they mm. are not quite sure if we believe ourselves. Uh, so it's been really tough. Also, my heart, I, I think my biggest struggle was not projecting onto them because my kids have only known, uh, you know, Elaviv, the, the smaller, the younger one, especially, she really only re remembers having a mask because it's, you know, for the past couple of years, she's worn it every day to school. Yeah, that's wild. And so she's kind of used to it and fine with it. She says it keeps her face warm when it's cold out. So it's a real challenge for me to not project my emotions onto them because I'm looking at them, feeling sorry for them, feeling sad that they're wearing masks, that their childhood is different. And she looks pretty happy. Yeah, they're adapting. Yeah. Yeah. Brian and I were thinking of getting a kid for a couple of months just to have <laughs> someone else to talk to, you know, but we, we had a lot of rules for it. We needed someone well, that could drive, well. right? We need someone <laughs> with their own credit card that could fix things and stuff. And then someone yeah. told us that's not really a no, child. that's not a child. <laughs> I mean, you've got the talking part. They will not stop talking. You definitely. But then I, t I think within 24 hours, you're going to be sending them back for the amount of talking that they do. Yeah, um, it, been, it was going to be a limited term engagement. <laughs> okay, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> Sounds fantastic. Bread Alone, Route 9G, Upstate and Chill, Goats Near an Orchard, Jesse. How many local references are in the new city at Anthem? Well, you won't know unless you stream it over and over again. Hearing just part of it here does nothing for the Billboard rankings. Plus, you're missing out on the funny lyrics and local mentions. Find the new song on Spotify, Apple Music, and more. Links in the show notes or from Cydia.com on the music page. Thanks. One thing I get from you is a sense of balance. 
you know, the professional and the personal, urban in nature, the way you talk about dressing up from the city, but being, being here. Does that resonate for you? Yeah. I mean, the whole, like the way I dress is, does keep me balanced because I mean, that's just such a big part of me, fashion and edgy fashion. But I try to go to different towns. Like Hudson has a few cute shops, but honestly, I do most of my shopping online. Free returns, free shipping. It makes it very easy. But for me, I just, I need that. And I think that that keeps me balanced up here. Having moved to the country, more or less, but being such a city person at heart, for me to keep dressing the way that I dress and cutting my hair the way that I have it cut and just sort of, again, I, you know, people call it my city aesthetic, my city look. Is it even, is it really a city look or is I just like nice, I just like fun, expressive clothing, but it does definitely keep me sane. And it's a lot of people stop taking care of themselves during the pandemic. I get it. A lot of depression, nobody was going out, but something that kept me afloat and that kept me good for my clients was continuing to get up and do my hair and put my bright lipstick on and throw yeah. a outfit on. And then I would get this feedback from them too. Like, oh, I'm so happy to see you today. Like, oh gosh, you, you, I smile when I see your outfits and it just gives me hope that things are going to keep going. So it really did keep not only my mental health and my equilibrium for everything balanced, but it, it ended up in turn helping other people which I didn't expect, but was really fantastic. And I, and I yeah. joke and I say like, you know, vanity is my chosen sin. Like that's my fun sin. I like to get dressed up. I like to put makeup on. I had no idea it would start helping people and inspiring people to take better care of themselves during this. Yeah, I think it's infectious. I think we learn from others. You know, when I see, when I, I mean, when I see other people adapt to be up here, I'm like, well, I, maybe I can, I can do it too. Yeah. You know, when somebody goes on YouTube and like fixes something, I'm like, maybe I could fix something too. <laughs> I put on like a collared shirt the other day and I did feel better as well. It was really dramatic for me. Well done. Now, but what have you fixed? Yeah, not so much. I mean, I've called a lot of people to fix things, but I, you know, I, I, I screwed in something and I, okay. I replaced some things and I tried to research. I was trying to fix a wooden step and I tried myself several times, even with wood filler. It didn't work. <laughs> but then I eventually found someone to fix it. It was a real breakthrough for me. So I'm still trying to learn how to nail in things and stuff like that. I'd like to be able to hang things myself yeah. and not like break a wall down or something. But but I think it's going to take some time. It's, I've only been here seven years. I'm actually quite handy. Only seven years. Well, you know who to hire. That's for sure. Do you? Do you freelance? No, <laughs> I do not. I'm sorry. I only fix my own leaks and broken boards, but I'm actually quite handy. I, when I grew up, my, you know, my earlier years when I was a very young child were in the suburbs of New Jersey. And I grew up with my hands in the dirt and pulling worms out of the ground and fixing things by myself and riding a bike until the moon was taking over the sun's place. And so I, you know, I'm definitely not afraid to get dirty and do these things. I just became so accustomed to the city life. Yeah. But that yeah. Part of me went dormant. But I, like, when something goes wrong in the house, I get right in there and try to fix it. I will be calling you next for a repair. Yeah, not for anything electrical. I will not touch anything. Yeah, that just seems sketchy. Ter terrible, terrifying. It's a terrifying. bad idea. Nobody should be doing that unless they're a licensed professional and you know they're in a union and they have all the training that they need. Um, but yeah, I, I can I'm, I can help with a sink and 
A boiler. Let's go. <laughs> Who knew? What's a boiler? <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait. So back to the Hudson Valley. So you know, my brother-in-law is getting me to ask everybody what their favorite favorite secret or not so secret spot is in the Hudson Valley, like their go-to for like inspiration or just just up their special place to go. So I'm trying to put together a big map. Is there any place you'd want to tell people about that they may not know? You've been here a while. So I, I really like foraging. I love foraging for mushrooms and I love foraging for ramps in the spring. But if I give away, like, I think that the ramp thing has to remain secret because that's- You shouldn't tell anyone. I just saw that Truffle, Truffle Hunters movie in France. Like they, oh, yeah. they, oh. it's really private and secret. They, yeah, 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 yeah. So foraging, Yeah. this means you go into the forest with your hands, <laughs> you see something that you are not a professional that I'm might be, sorry, you're not a professional forager I that may not. or may not be a poisonous mushroom. Correct. You take it and then you put it into the mouth of your children. Is that how it works? Very close, very close. So I actually have a couple of friends in town that are chefs. And when I first started doing it, I would take pictures and I would send it to them or I would take them and I would bring it to them. But I did a lot of research and reading before because the property that we had when we first came up here would generate and produce so many incredible varieties of mushrooms that I became curious and I started educating myself on it. So I never go and just like shove a mushroom in my mouth because I know I could kill myself by doing that. But I did become familiar with a few that I knew, like chicken of the woods, hen of the woods, turkey tails. Like there are some morels, there are some that I know, but I did the research. Like you should never go out into the forest and just grab something that looks pretty and eat it. It's- and what's the, what's the feeling? Is it the, is the rush of, is it uh, because it it's free and you're cheap? No, no. I'm kidding. <laughs> is it because, is it the rush? Is it the rush of nature? Is it the smell or the experience? Why forage? I think that it's all of that and it's the connection with the earth mm. because I think we have become very disconnected as a society to our food, especially if you're a meat eater. Um, you know, it's very easy to go and buy meat, but to actually live right down the farm where they keep the cows and slaughter them before they pack them up and give them to you, I think that making that connection really just touches something uh, you know that we've we've lost over time and when i do foraging i feel i feel proud of myself actually that i make the effort i go into the woods i identify something i do my research i take it out of the ground and then i'm able to go home and clean it and make something delicious and beautiful out of it is it what's the season with foraging i seriously know nothing about this when do you uh, do it so if you're a ramp forager i mean there's a very large season because mushrooms grow all of the time. I mean, there's not much happening in the winter, but once April hits, I, you know, April is ramp time. You can find mushrooms it through November if you're out there and you know what you're doing, but there's so many other things. There's so many other things to get berries. There's loads of beautiful berries in the Hudson Valley to be picking. 
all these gorgeous greens that you can eat. It's just about becoming familiar with them. Dandelions, you know, you can pluck a bunch of dandelions out of the ground and make a tea or make a soup or, you know, a tincture. There's what do so you make with your mushrooms? Like Brian would make like a mushroom soup and put like a dollop of creme fraiche and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I make soups. I just do like mushroom steaks. I will slice them up and roast them or saute them. I like will shave them on top of, of salads. There are some really magical places up here that you can find pretty easily, uh, especially if you go towards water. Okay, that's, and even that's... in Rhinecliff, past the train tracks, it, to walk on the water over there is magical and so peaceful and so meditative. I found myself there multiple times over the past couple of years when I just needed to get out of the chaos of the work or get out of my home because I we had all been locked in so much. The water over near Rhinecliffe is really beautiful too. Yeah, I mean, when it was open, I would like go to the Rhinecliffe Hotel and like you can have a yeah. drink at the bar. And then there right. was that great restaurant, the Chinese restaurant that was right next to the train station. That was fun. Oh, that, the China Rose. That's been closed for a while. Yeah. I think they're trying bad. to get that back open into like a bar, burger, sandwich kind of joint, which would be fantastic. We need that in the area. That would be great. Everybody yeah. could head there after your show. Yes, that's exactly my idea. Or be there during it and heckle and make some noise and kind of run up to the station. And at what point did you feel that you are from here? From here? I don't, I still don't feel like I'm from here. Oh, where are you from? I'm originally from New Jersey. I'm a Jersey girl. Me too. Uh, but I lived in the city for a while. I, lived, I also lived in LA, but only for about three years. I took a little detour out there. I don't feel like I'm from here, but I do think that I am now a local. Oh, okay. So at what point did you become a local? Oh, recently. Over the, uh, maybe in the past oh. two years, I'd say. Why? What was the, what was the difference? Well, I think some of it was my comfort level. I just sunk in and planted my roots and they became more deep. And I also noticed you know, everybody at the coffee shop knows who I am. And I walk into the restaurant and the bartender's shaking my hand and the hostess is saying, Allison, oh, it's so nice to see you. And I just thought, oh, wow, I'm a part of this community. I'm, I'm a local now. Though when I meet someone, you know, I never try to say like to, to people who are coming up, like, oh yeah, I'm a local. Like I'm from, I'm, I'm a Rhinebecker. Like I'm not from here. I'm very privileged to live here. I feel very fortunate to be a part of the community and accepted by the community, you know, so I never lose sight of that and that gratitude, but I definitely feel like this is my place now. This is where, you know, I'm Allison from Rhinebeck. <laughs> We're definitely a part of this place now. Oh, that's great. Me too. Have you seen a difference in the type of people that have come up in the last couple of years? I have. Uh, this for me is one of the silver linings in the pandemic, you know, and there are silver linings in, in all difficulties, but it's been really nice to see diversity across the board coming up. Uh, when Naveen and I came up here 10 years ago as weekenders, you know, he's Indian, but he looks like he could be black or he could be Islander. You know, we were one of two biracial, you know, multiracial families and we had our first child and it was very obvious that she was biracial. And I remember sitting on the bench in town near the parking lot that's close to Bread Alone and this very, very lovely older woman came up to us and she, she was just so fascinated with us and who we were and she wanted to know where we were from. 
and what was what was Naveen and what was the baby and gosh you know wow yeah 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 and and again I it was very kind well you know in in, in the city we were just there was a very colorful neighborhood and yeah. when we came up to Rhinebeck there was not a lot of diversity in color here I also don't think there was a lot of diversity in religion or sexuality or gender fluidity, nothing. And to watch people coming up from the city, from the other side of the country, from other countries has been wonderful because the other thing that was tough for me was our younger daughter was the only child with brown skin and curly thick hair in her preschool class. And so she would come home and say, nobody looks like me. Why does anybody else look like me? Why doesn't anybody else have curly hair? And I think that when, you know, when you're not the parent of a child or you're not a part of a relationship like that, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's really tough for a kid to feel like sure. they're the only one that looks different. And even then the preschool teacher was incredible. She went out and bought some books about children, you know, one called Hair Like Mine, that is about ethnic hair. And she was very, very tender about it. But I, you know, I just... I could tell they weren't getting what I was concerned about and why my child felt that way. So since the pandemic, there's just been so many more families of diversity and different color and different, like I said earlier, sexualities and different types of families and shapes and different religions. And I'm just so relieved that there's more of that now in the area. That's great. I think the area needed more change. I mean, there are some people that are, of course, very resistant to any change happening, but no, I, we felt very welcome. And I mean, everybody loves Naveen. Everybody loves Naveen. You know, I, I, just love Naveen. Him. I know you do. <laughs> everybody does. So it, it just, we were really embraced. So Allison, I'm going to steal something from your own show and turn it back on, on, on you. Ooh. What's one thing that people could learn from you to follow in your footsteps? professionally focus on doing good work and don't worry about the money because the money will come when you focus on having integrity and doing your due diligence and, you know, really putting the energy into the clients. If that's something that you want to do, because it's an easy field for people who are very narcissistic and just want to feel good about themselves and just want to tell people what to do or give them advice. And that's not what you're supposed to be doing. So if you want to be successful in, as a therapist or a healer of any sort, really just focus on doing great work as much as possible. And then I think coming up to a new town or if you're going to move to the Hudson Valley, be yourself. You got to keep being yourself. You know, a lot of people try to, of course, we all have to make adjustments socially. We all have, we, we have to do that. You can't just come up here and do whatever you want to do and be whoever you want to be and loud and boisterous. There are new rules and things you want to follow. Like you do not beep in town. You do not beep yeah. your horn. Do not beep, please, <laughs> do everyone. Do not beep your horn. Do not yell at anyone. Of course, you know, defend yourself if something were to happen, but make the adjustments, but still be yourself because then you're going to know who your people are. And you're going to know who you want to spend some time with or the areas that you want to be in or the, the, the restaurants that you want to frequent. So as long as you're being kind and, you know, aware of others, just be yourself. Oh, nice. I like that. <laughs> That's nice. 
Thanks for listening to City It. I don't know if you saw, but City It was featured with an in-depth Q&A in the Daily Yonder. You can find a link from the website. And don't forget, we made the Chronogrammy finals, so voting's going to start in April. Get your fingers ready. Definitely need your support. This year, with the song release and all these great guests, it's already bigger than ever.